0: Welcome to the Paycom Podcast. We are medical management radio for the solo provider and small group physician practice. Paycom is where medicine meets entrepreneurship. Now, here's your host,
1: Terry Fletcher.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Paycom Podcast, Medical Management Radio. Paycom is the professional association of healthcare office management, and I'm your host, Terry Fletcher. Now that we are into December, it really got me thinking about the holiday season and how over the holidays, many people spend time reflecting on the past year and looking forward to the next year. When you are a manager or an administrator of a medical practice, you will be surprised at the difference you can make in the success of your practice and the morale of the clinicians and staff by also reflecting on what, on what could have been. What could have been better this past year in your practice and ideas for improving the next year as we head into 2020? We're really hoping in today's episode, we can give you some suggestions to help with those reflections. At the same time, we want you to be proactive for upcoming changes, and when changes are mandated by external forces, we want to make sure that you have a solid plan in place so that you can communicate those changes, train clinicians and staff, and implement with minimal interruption to op- operations. First, I wanted to introduce my podcast guest today. So joining me is Ms. Brandy Zeismer. Brandy is a Health Information Program Manager and professor with Lake Sumter State College in Central Florida. She is a registered health information administrator, so RHIA, and a certified coding specialist, CCS, credentialed through AHIMA. Brandy has a wealth of knowledge, not only in medical practice management and coding, but also has authored several publications in medical office management and technology. She's also the editor of PACOM's six practice management manuals. So, Brandy, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Terry. It's good to be here.
0: We are very happy to have you today, and you know, as we are in December, as I mentioned, we're really heading into the last month of the year and going into 2020, and so many managers right now, administrators, uh, practice professionals, they are just probably pulling out their hair doing month-end and year-end and trying to get ready for 2020, but I thought it would be great for our listeners to get some insight from you and maybe some help on how to tackle this last month of the year as we head into 2020. So what suggestions do you have for managers during the busy holidays to find time for reflecting on what went well and what could have been better over the past
1: year? Wow, it is a busy time of year for medical practices, large and small. Um, It can be a great time, though, to have some fun with staff and clinicians. An example would be a brainstorming session to generate a wish list for the practice. Brainstorming, it can be a fun way to generate a lot of ideas quickly, to produce innovative ways to improve performance, solve a problem. And at the same time, you're building team collaboration and buy-in with enthusiasm
0: now, I have a question with you about that because I love that idea, just you know, having a wish list and brainstorming with uh, staff and just really just kind of keeping them, um, I guess, proactive and participants in the day-to-day. But my question with that is when we look at that and try to be positive, one thing I run into with several practice manager clients of mine, again, talking about how we reflect on the on the year, is that they always want to add new services or new procedures or new office protocols but they haven't fixed some of the existing issues that I've pointed out or addressed. Can you speak to that issue and how important it is to fix that noncompliance part before putting a policy and putting a policy in place or a plan in place so that that behavior or that type of issue doesn't repeat before adding more to the plate. I think the the old saying garbage in, garbage out, I think sometimes that happens, but I'm just, I want to, I don't know, give our listeners some, maybe some tidbits on showing how a problem has been identified, addressed, researched, and then fixed needs to happen before moving on to some new ads.
1: That's that's great information, Terry. It's very true. A manager has to juggle between maintenance, improvement, and being proactive about upcoming changes that either have to be made or would be uh, beneficial to make. But one of the things I like to see uh, this time of year is um, is to kind of get the staff to thinking about some of the things they can think of that could have been better over the past year in terms of practice performance. And, you know, it's it's great when you can get the whole staff excited about being part of improving the performance for the upcoming year. And, and one of the things that um, has worked well in the past for a lot of people I've talked to and I've tried it myself, is to um, just get the group together and start with a question on a brainstorming session at a staff meeting and bring chocolate. You know, staff love chocolate. Try and get the the (laughs) information involved. (laughs) 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 Chocolate's, you know, the answer to everything.
0: It really Um, is, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I'd start with a question like, How can we improve our performance in, say, just as an example, the improvement activities of Medicare's merit-based incentive payment system, which is MIPS? Uh, Everybody has Medicare patients, and even if you don't, the MIPS quality indicators, performance indicators, are very similar to other quality-based programs that private insurers are putting into effect so it, 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 that's just an idea, an example. And you can get everybody together. You tell them that you're just the facilitator. You're going to write down all the ideas. You want them to shout out ideas no matter how crazy they are. In fact, crazy's good because sometimes you get some brilliant ideas that nobody would have thought of if you were being all official and professional about it. Um, and you don't want a madhouse you don't want everybody yelling at one time but um you could have them go around the table and you go around and go around and go around until nobody has any more ideas to add as to either which performance indicator you want to try and improve or even just just suggestions about that centered around that um that framework of improving, and then um, just make sure that everybody knows they can't judge anybody's ideas, and and you can't say anything. You have to just write down the ideas that are generated. The next step, though, once everybody is finished and you're and you're confident that they've given you all of their suggestions, you discuss the grouping of the ideas. So you come up with like a list of um, of ideas that all fit into a similar um, category, and and then you can uh, work from that. You know, how do to, you how
0: do you get the managers to not say anything? <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but just want to sit there and because I know that in some of the office meetings and some things where they say, you know, what we're just going to have an open forum and you know just talk about things that you know are are really important to our practice and, you know, nothing is bad. Everybody can say their piece and it turns out for five minutes you kind of get that, but then we don't see that continue through the meeting. And then it turns into just a complaint session. We don't want that.
1: No, heaven forbid that, that kind of defeats the purpose. This should be upbeat. It should be, um, non-judgmental. Um, I know administrators and, and practice managers like to have, um, a lot of input uh i i would say it was okay if if it has slowed down a little bit and nobody's really saying much um but you think that they probably have some good ideas it's fine to say oh come on now just just you know don't everybody talk at once or make a little bit of a joke but but kind of encourage them to continue but um it's really pretty important not to Add to it because you'll have your chance as the manager once the brainstorming session ends, then you move into the new the next phase
0: yeah and I think that's I think that's awesome because I think that if there is an open door policy and there is open communication with the staff and they really feel like they're heard. I know some of the old school ways of doing that is to have um, a box or something where people can you know drop in a a note. And I know sometimes that works, but let's face it. We all know whose handwriting is whose, but (laughs) I kind of laugh when people say, you know, Oh, let's just drop in, you know, notes in a box. I'm like, you know, who's writing it. And it's funny because I had one practice that did that and they're just like, Oh, I knew who, I knew who did this again. And it was always a complaint. And then somebody else's was never a complaint. It was always a positive. And you kind of get to know the trends in the office. And so, um, just in kind of playing off what you were saying, it would be nice to see those ideas as far as the the wish list and make it and make it like that. Make it a wish list and end of the year. You know, um, how can we make improvements? Let's call it a New Year's resolution for healthcare professionals and medical managers. And you had mentioned the uh, MIPS and and possibly the MACRA and all those per, um, performance measures. And I find that interesting because whenever I bring that topic up to practices, they look at me like, "Oh, yeah, we have to do that," and they forget that you know there are certain things that you now have to do that reflects patient engagement, engagement and uh, patient experience, and um, you know patients that you want to um, safety and care coordination, and those are part of physician bonuses. And so if they're not on top of it. For example, you know, when we talk about um, patient experiences, experiences, maybe looking at telemedicine as an option for the practice, but then you need somebody to want to take it on as a, as a um, project because I think some practices, and I know they come to me, like my clients, and they say, we want to adopt telemedicine into our practice. And I'm like, okay, great. And I said, well, first of all, since you're not a HISTRA practice and you're not in a metropolitan um, depressed area, you, you aren't going to be able to get Medicare to cover it, but let's take a look at your contracts. And all of a sudden they go, wait, 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 what do you mean? Patient just can't call me up from their home and I can bill for an office visit. I'm like, no, <laughs> it doesn't really work that way. You know, so I try to, just, I know that they get these big ideas just based on what they see on TV or on the internet and you have to kind of talk them down off a cliff, but you don't want to stifle their, their wish list and what they hope to do. Um, again, when you talked about MIPS, the, the care coordination, maybe really talk to doctors, say, you know, you're stuck in the office a lot or stuck at the hospital. Have you considered seeing patients in a SNF or home-based designated patients? Not only is the reimbursement amazing, which I don't think people realize, it's really good. Um, it gets you out of the office. It gets you into kind of a new setting to just kind of, I hate to say, re-vigor- invigorate yourself, but to just see patients in a different light, you know, they love seeing their provider come to them and and you know, really make time for them and that can be just a huge thing. What do you think about that?
1: It's very true. It it's there are so many opportunities. Once you can get your staff to realize that we aren't looking at obstacles, we're looking at opportunities and how much more pleasant would it be to work in an environment where your practice is um, improving the patient's perspective. So when the patients come in, they're like, wow, you know, I don't normally like coming to the doctor because who does, but this practice is so um, energetic and enthusiastic and we're comfortable with our providers because they, um, you know, we come in to see them, but they come to see us too. It, there's just a lot of advantages for everyone in the practice if we can get the doctors excited about um, patient engagement and, um, and we can get the, the staff to understand their role in making improvements. If you just take one example, um, one little piece of, of, of how to turn this brainstorming session, uh, the ideas that you group together, if you find something that was going to give you the biggest bang for your buck, The way to turn that into a New Year's resolution and make it happen rather than just, gee, that would be nice, is um, one tool you can use. It's a plan, do, check, act method. If you just take one element of patient engagement, let's say that your practice has a lot of patients with COPD and coronary artery disease. And one of the things that came out of the brainstorming session was that your efforts last year to get them to quit smoking, the, the, the patients that smoked to quit smoking wasn't very successful. Maybe less than 40% actually quit. So that would be a huge increase in your performance, in your key performance indicator for MIPS if you could get a higher percentage of your patients who smoke. To quit, and uh, so just to apply the plan-do-check-act concept, you could say you have to have a goal, and the goal would be during the first six months of the year, you want to try this new approach for getting patients to quit smoking, and and by the end of the year, you want to measure that 65% of the patients actually quit smoking, the ones that had this um this this new approach. So that's your goal. And then your plan would be twofold, for example. And and again, this is just one example of how to use the tool. You could post interesting ideas about smoking cessation on a patient portal and make an effort to have everybody in the practice get patients excited about checking the portal and using it as a as a um a tool to help control their own health. And then second, twofold The second idea of the plan would be there's something called a teach-back method. So when you give patient advice or you give patients um, information on why they should quit smoking and um, not only that it will decrease their risk of an emergent situation with a chronic condition, but it will also um, make them feel better. When you're telling them that, a lot of times the physicians and the nurses, they just speak to them in clinical terms and they don't even stop to think, is the patient really listening to me? Or are they hearing blah, 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 <laughs> You know, You know, most patients know that smoking is not good for them. But the, the uh, teach-back method is a little bit of extra time, but it pays off. Before that patient leaves your office, you could say something like, So what are you going to do when you go home? And you hope they don't say, you know, mix a vodka tonic and have a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) So so if the patient tells you, um, well, I don't know, what do you mean? What am I going to do when I get home? Try and coach them a little bit to see if they can paraphrase back to you in their own words what you advise them to do to start that path of smoking cessation. And if they can't, then you need to restate it in different in different terms so the patient understands it better. So that's your plan. The do part is to start doing those things, but you're doing them in a controlled environment. You haven't put it into production yet. You just you initiate some work on your patient portal. You initiate trying to explain to the patients how to get to that portal and and, and encouraging them to use it. And you start this teach-back method of of presenting patient um, smoking cessation advice during that counseling session. And then you measure the results over the first few weeks, follow up with those patients, see if they're starting or at least making progress towards what you advise them to do. If they have any questions, show that you care about them, and then at the end, of that period, if the patients have had good responses to your questions and yeah, this is working for me, I need to work on this part of it, but this part is working really well and I have confidence that I can, you know, kind of carry it through, then, um, that's, that's the check part. You're, you're checking with the patients to see if you're having any impact. And then if they have, if they're, if it's not good, then you kind of have to go back and, and kind of start that cycle over again. But if you're getting good results, then you then you go ahead and put that into implementation. And then, and then towards the end of the year, you measure how many of those patients say that they have quit smoking for at least three months by the end of the year. And then if you reached your goal of 65%, you keep doing that next year and you pick another Another piece of that um, puzzle to implement, and you can actually take a bigger chunk than just smoking cessation. But this is just an example.
0: Well, it's interesting because that does under the performance measures that falls under patient safety. So you definitely would would have one of your MIPS uh, measures covered there. It's funny I had a a primary care doctor that I've been been talking to about adding smoking cessation to their fee ticket and their fee structure and their daily um, charge capture. And I said, you know, for patients, they have to be current smokers and kind of gave them the rundown of what was going on with those patients. And he gave me a kind of an insight that I thought was really funny. He said, well, my patients could really care less about that, but I do have a lot of patients that are, they're very vain. And they, and if I speak to their vanity, it helps. And he says, how do I do that? And I said, well, have them bring in a before picture before they were smoking and look at their skin, look at the difference between their skin now and later. I said, or be you know, um, did when they could breathe, of you know, very well. Instead of and what that felt like, you know, speak to, you know, uh, I know some patients. They as soon as you uh, have smoked for five years, there's certain kinds of female patients anyway. There's certain certain kinds of um, makeup you can't wear. Uh, For male patients, there's certain things that you can't do as far as um, stretching because your it affects your um, your joints, and so. And so you become, you know, lackadaisical a little bit. So it, it just—it's interesting when you speak to, kind of the, um, the vanity of patients sometimes, and not just talk to them like you said in clinical terms. When uh, we were bringing up a telemedicine uh, experience with patients and in, in, in an office, and just saying, in a lot of the doctors saying, "Well, I don't, I just don't know if I could do medicine over the phone." I said, "And I understand what you're saying about that." And I go, "But think about this." It's going to happen. It's already out there. So you need to get ahead of the curve. It's not really a choice anymore. And think about those patients that you have that travel, those patients that you have that, you know, they, they want to get in, but they, they don't want to wait. They don't want to make an appointment. They don't want to take the time for that. But you might have an option that is part of your cash pay practice. Remember, patients, if they want it bad enough, they'll pay for it. They'll go around their insurance. I know I would. It just depends on that population of patients. I mean, that's where concierge medicine came in from. But so when you talk about the Plan, Do, Check, Act, there's definitely some methodology there uh, and a lot of things that you can do to increase that patient engagement, but also in a way that speaks to the patient experience, that speaks to, you want a good rating, you want uh, good patient satisfaction surveys. Uh, One of the things that I podcast on my own podcast for or, my codecast is talking about patient satisfaction. Did you know, and I don't know if you know this, Brandy, that United Healthcare, they now, instead of looking at physicians as a whole to uh, re sign them on their contract, to re-credential them, they look at patient satisfaction surveys, they look at uh, the volume of your patient to employee relationship. They look They look at all different things. And number six on the list was how good a doctor you are. So, you know, the offerings of patients. Wow. Yeah. I mean, patients, it's like the patients can look at the satisfaction survey and determine that when they fill it out, if that doctor is going to get to contract with another payer. It's almost like a, a personal trip advisor or Yelp for healthcare. And doctors, I was just actually thinking about something the other day, um, when Starbucks got my order wrong, <laughs> and I and and I, they always get my order wrong, and I I ordered the very simple thing all the time. But I I my my daughter's friend is a manager there, and he said, "Oh, they don't look at social media complaints. They only they only look at complaints if they're directly emailed or called into Starbucks." And I said, "Well, that's a, the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. There's so <laughs> many places that you can comment that if you don't know about it, you're gonna." going to find yourself in trouble and uh they're like i keep trying to tell them that's why starbucks looks at things and says oh you know our business is great and everything's great and then all of a sudden you see they took a dive on the stock market well bringing that back to healthcare, doctors and staff and managers that are listening to our podcast right now you need to understand that the reason that brandy and i are talking about this and bringing some of these um ideas to you and and thinking of just ways you can brainstorm and, and how you can improve and really look at that wish list on what you can do to make 2020 one of your you know innovative and better years is because you are trying to make that patient experience that um, that patient engagement the management of your practice something that we call best practices and when you can do that and you can have patients that now will comment on one of the social media platforms and oh this office is great and why you're great and usually it's because of engagement and things you offer them then um then that's something that you know you're far way ahead of the scale and and way ahead of the curve there as far as uh, what your peers are doing as well so we we want to bring that and and kind of give you some ideas as far as adopting and implementing certain services that maybe you haven't even thought about that could help you into 2020
1: that's all excellent advice and the beauty of, of those types of plans is that you get a a new culture with your staff your your staff starts being part of that culture of accountability it's everyone's responsibility for the practice to succeed not just the clinicians not just the practice manager but every employee needs to buy into the fact that they can influence their uh, morale at work the how nice it is to deal with patients, um, how successful the practice is, which would in turn hopefully pay off in the long run with raises, um, pay increases that a practice may not be able to afford if they're getting a lot of money recouped because they're not meeting quality measures.
0: And I, and I totally agree with that. And one one thing to think about, and this is maybe probably the simplest thing to think about to our listeners, If you want to know what your patient experience is as a patient, hold one of your staff meetings in your waiting room, in your reception area, sit in your chairs, look at the walls, look at the carpet, look at the 2014 magazines you still have on the table, look (laughs) at everything in your waiting room, and also listen to the interaction at your front desk. If you can hear them and you can hear what they did over the weekend, then you're definitely have an issue there, especially with HIPAA concerns. But if you want to see what your patient experiences before they even get back to see a physician or a clinician or anybody, sit in your waiting room and hold your meetings there. I had a couple of meetings there with uh, physicians recently, and they're like, you know, it's really uncomfortable out here. Let's go into the conference room. And I said, you think? <laughs> so it's, it's you know, it's it's not comfortable for you. What do you think your patients are doing? And then the next week, he's like, yeah, we're we're shutting down for two days so I can get the the reception area painted. We're going to get some new chairs in there. He goes, I'm putting in some money into it because I didn't realize that I actually said that and how bad it was. But just something as small as that can be something to start. You know, how what kind of coffee do you make in your waiting room? So somebody told me that their their waiting room coffee was the stuff they get at Costco, but the coffee in the break room was Starbucks. I am just like, People, look at what you're doing here. You know, I mean, at least upgrade it a little bit, but it was just it was just kind of funny to me, just so, you know, as we're talking to our listeners and trying to have fun with this as well. Little things go a long way. So, um, you know, we're just, we're trying to give you a little bit of insight. We'll, we'll elaborate on this as we get into 2020 and give you some specifics when it comes to some of the MIPS options that you can do for those reimbursement models and some of those patient engagements and some of the performance measures and really kind of walk you through it. But for now, we just wanted to give you some insight on just some things you could do as a wish list and things that you could maybe use as a tool. And I love the PDCA, the Plan, Do, Check Act, that Brandy brought to us today and uh, brainstorming and including your staff. So, Brandy, I wanted to say thank you for your insight and joining me today on Episode 3 of our podcast, and we really appreciate having you.
1: Thank you, Terry. It's been a pleasure.
0: Okay. I wanted to also leave the listeners with this. In keeping with the PACOM motto of PACOM shares knowledge, you just heard from healthcare industry expert Brandy Ziesmer. And we want to remind you that if you are responsible for the management of your practice, or you know a physician or office manager that is, and they want to get as much current industry information and practice management knowledge as they can, this is your podcast. We hope you will let others know and encourage them to listen in each month. As a reminder, the Paycom Podcast broadcasts the third Wednesday of each month. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, or wherever platform you listen to podcasts on. So happy holidays, everyone. We are thankful for all of our listeners and our PACOM members and make it a great day and a great month. Until next time, thank you for listening to the PACOM podcast, Medical Management Radio. Tune in for new shows the third Wednesday of each month. Thank you for joining us. PACOM is the Professional Association of Healthcare Office Management and home of the nationally accredited certified medical manager. Professional credentials matter. Learn more at Paycom.com. That's P-A-H-C-O-M.com.